These are Nebraska corn farmers. They work in acres, not hours, harvesting the energy and climate solutions the world needs. We are proud to stand with you. The success of tomorrow's soy industry depends on the actions we take today. The future is here, and the time to move is now. Market Journal Television for Agricultural Business Decisions is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources in partnership with the Nebraska Rural Radio Association. Promotional support provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine and partial funding provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. I'm Bryce Suskit and thrilled to be coming to you from the heart of innovation here at the Nebraska Ag Expo in Lincoln. This show is 9.2 acres packed with the latest and greatest when it comes to agriculture all under one roof. We're talking about the second largest indoor ag show in the country and it has been buzzing over the past couple of days with more than 800 exhibitors across 27 states and several of the provinces in Canada. Up first, joining us on the Expo EDU stage, we're going to be talking about the grain cart operator. You know, they always get a bad rap when it comes to harvest time. We're talking about a solution that might eliminate the grain cart driver. So our first guest on the Expo EDU stage, joining us from JCA, JCA Technologies, is Colton Rathman, also Jeff Ruth here on the stage. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We might eliminate the uh, grain cart driver. How could that be? Uh, we're here with JCA Technologies, like you said. Um, we're working on a retrofit autonomous kit for uh, select deer and fent model tractors um, at this time. Uh, the, our product would eliminate the driver out of the or out of the tractor and allow for all infield applications with the grain cart to be done, uh, handled by the person in the combine. Let's learn a little about the technology behind this. How does it do so and how do you control that tractor if nobody's in the operator seat? So JCA Technologies has a collection of controllers that we manufacture. Uh, those controllers are installed onto the machinery um, and with, along with some antennas that communicate uh, between the combine and the tractor. Uh, the combine operator has control of that tractor through uh, application on a tablet within the combine uh, to tell the grain cart where to go. Okay, we have to bring Jeff Roos into the conversation because you've been trying this on your farm not far from Surprise, Nebraska. You, a couple of weeks you did this during harvest season. How did it work for you? It, it really worked well. We had the opportunity for about three weeks during harvest to uh, uh, test this this equipment on a Fent tractor. Um, it, it was really seamless, super intuitive, really easy to use. I'll tell you, a couple times it was a little awkward looking over and, uh, and seeing the test engineer sitting in the passenger seat of the tractor while it was driving along through the field by itself. So uh, it really worked well. And for being kind of a, a jumping off point for their technology, uh, I think the sky's the limit for them. Tell me about the farming conditions where you operated this within, Jeff. Yeah, we, uh, we were uh, combining soybeans mostly. We did a little bit of corn while we were at it. But uh, if anybody in Nebraska here was farming, uh, the dust this, this fall was, was terrible. And so it's pretty interesting to see this, this tractor be driving through a dust cloud that no human would be able to see through coming up behind you and uh, dumping on the side. So yeah, we were unloading on the go and then we would stage that cart where we wanted it next 
and then as soon as we were done offloading, we could send it right up to the trucks for the drivers to unload themselves. Back on JCA Technologies, how long have you guys been in the development phase of getting this to the point where you're able to test it on that Nebraska farm? Well, JCA Technologies has been in the ag uh, automation industry for about five years now. Uh, a lot of the technology behind this has been developed throughout that time. Specifically, this grain cart application has been going for about a year and a half now uh, for you know, targeting these tractors, and that, that's really been the development phase up, up to now. How challenging is it to bring this to market, trying to work out different kinks that you discovered along the way? Uh, it's very challenging, uh, <laughs> you know, all the, all the different aspects and, you know, variables that you see on farm and in the field. Um, you know, we've got, we've got people at, at the office that are working on all of, the, all of the hardware, and then we've got people out in the field all the time running with this to, to really shake out all those bugs and find all those, all those corner cases. So, Jeff, back on you. Is this something you think you could implement down the road on your farming operation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, for the three weeks they were out there, it gave us an opportunity to take the guy that normally sits in our grain cart and put him in a truck. As most farmers know, the bottleneck occurs by getting the, the grain away from the field. And so if you can take one individual and now put them in a, in a truck, um, it frees up a lot of time, energy, and, and uh, you know, the ability to get grain away was, was tremendous. One of the reasons I was excited to have both of you join me here on the stage is because JCA Technologies, you guys are actually looking for people to participate in next year's study, Nebraska and Iowa farmers. Tell me a bit about that, Colton. Yes, absolutely. So we're, we're here looking to find about 10, 10 individual farms that are interested in running this system. Uh, John Deere 8R select tractors as well as select vent tractors. Um, if, if there are people that are interested in that, they can go to outrun.ag. Um, sign up to get some more information from us and give us their contact information. Now, Jeff, I want to wrap up with you. Your final thoughts as somebody who tested this this year. I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where technology is taking agriculture today. And, you know, from my side, we see it on a lot of different things. I personally never seen it on the autonomous side. And so seeing that up close and personal was, was really, really interesting and certainly an avenue that I think agriculture is just going to continue to go into. Yeah, no doubt, about that. no doubt about that. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us here on the stage. We really appreciate it. Our next guest, really excited to have him join us. It's somebody I've been following along on Twitter for uh, quite some time now as uh, he has been unveiling uh, what he's doing up in northeast Nebraska, making some whiskey. And you brought some examples with you here today. Joe Kenobi is with Flyover Whiskey. I'll hand you the microphone and uh, tell me a little bit about Flyover Whiskey, what all you guys are doing. Thanks for having me, Bryce. Um, Flyover Whiskey, the gist of what we do is basically, as a farmer, you can send us your own corn and we'll make you a personalized batch of whiskey with it. And we can take it and we can put a, a label on it with your farm name, field name, your operation, a logo, or your brand on it, and then we send it back to you. What are the origins of this business? How did this all get started in, as well as your, as well as your involvement? I think uh, I just had an interest. Uh, come from a grain and cattle farm and it was always cool to have family over during the holidays or have friends over you can always give them you give them a steak with your name on it you know we're having Kenobi steaks tonight well you can never really do that as much with with grain farming you couldn't really share your harvest uh, kind of farm to table how a lot of people are doing it now so it was really cool to be able to take corn and make a finished product with it What's this look like on the back end? I always see the finished products that you post online. You've got an example in your hand here, but what's the in-between phase? How do you do it? So you basically, you're basically making beer firsthand. So you're going to grind the corn, you're going to mash it, 
you're going to make a product with about 10% alcohol in it, and then you're going to distill that alcohol into a product that has about 50% alcohol. You're going to age it on charred white oak just like they would in Tennessee or Kentucky. You're going to wait. We only wait about two months. Small barrels, more service area, doesn't take as long, and get a product that's nearly as good as some you'd age three, four years. Hmm. What kind of feedback do you hear when you ship this uh, across Nebraska and elsewhere? People open this up, uh, their box, what do they say? Uh, they just can't believe that it's it's got their name on it, and it was from their corn, and it just, it's amazing. It's a, It's been a great gift for people to give, uh, especially to their dad or to their grandpa, uh, something to rem remember. A, um, a farm they used to farm, if it was their last year farming or grandpa's last year farming, that's really a commemorative piece. Some people don't even drink it, so they just want to have their name on it, say we did it, we, this is from the first farm we ever bought, things like that, and it's just, it's not just about the whiskey, it's just really about being able to have that memento, talk about it Thanksgiving or Christmas, and share it with each other. I'm going to have you hold the label up here. I'll reach back and grab another one. We're not going to sip on it today. I don't think they'd like that uh, yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. control booth. But tell me a little about what all you can put on the label. seems like that's a pretty popular aspect. Right. So a lot of people like to put their operation name on there, field name, uh, the location, usually town and state, uh, the harvest date so you know which year the harvest was. Um, some people like to put other information on there, hybrid, price, uh, just things like that. And then they really like to put their, put their name and their logo on it. Uh, just their personal personal brand. How far have you been able to ship this? Uh, we've kind of, our main shipping is North Dakota and Nebraska, but we've been working with a third party to be able to ship to more states. And we've gotten orders from California to New York, Texas to Canada. Imagine there's some legal challenges you have to uh, deal with when talking about shipping whiskey. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's a very, very controlled industry, but we can get around it as much as we can. There's a a lot of folks from out of state that have friends in Nebraska, so we make it work. What's been your best marketing? Uh, Twitter, mostly. Uh, just showing people the pictures that uh, these are all farmer submissions. We've done over thir we've done over 3,000 batches now. So just the fact that we've done so many and we've got so many happy customers that just uh, just tickled that they can they can do this and we can and we can help them. Let's real quick walk through the process. I imagine you've got a bit of a, a waiting list to do this for next year. Are you taking orders right now? Right, taking orders right now. We're about eight months out. Uh, we want to get that down about five to six months out. All you have to do, flyoverwhiskey.com, put an order in. We send you the bag for corn, fill it, drop it back in the mail, and six to eight months later, get your whiskey back. What's the most fun aspect of doing what you do here? I think just working with the people, having people come pick up their corn, drop off corn, or picking up their whiskey. Uh, just meeting farmers from all over the country. It's amazing. Well, Joe, I want to thank you. Really appreciate uh, you joining us out here at the Nebraska Ag Expo. And a reminder, audience today, if you're interested in learning more about uh, what they're doing at Flyover Whiskey, visit them online at flyoverwhiskey.com. Let's welcome our next guest up here to the Expo EDU stage. You know, one of the new exhibitors of this year's show is a Texas company. I had a chance to visit with them before the show called Smooth Ag. And they told me about a product they developed calling it the Ranch Rover. Let's learn about that now. Hunter joins us up here on the stage. The Ranch Rover, what can you do with this? Well, thank you so much, Bryce. I really appreciate it. So the Ranch Rover is the world's first fully autonomous feeding vehicle. Um, it's a robotic platform that currently we have a cake feeder on the back of it. A uh, rancher can send it out um, at any time, anywhere in the world and feed their cows. 
It's equipped with four different cameras with machine vision, so we can count the cows and get a live stream video of the cattle. Um, the computer's on board, so a lot of that technology is happening right there, as we like to call it, on the edge. Um, we also have an app called Ranch Sync, where ranchers can manage their ranch, really start to get in kind of that data-driven decision-making. Our ideas with our robot is not so much about replacing people, but augmenting their capabilities um, from building pens and not having to be in the back of that truck and, you know, looking out the windshield and saving a lot of time. That's really our focus. Okay. Describe how this looks for our audience joining us here live. Well, I'm sure most people in Nebraska have seen a flatbed pickup yes, truck. Sir. Now imagine it without a cab, and it's just a flatbed with four wheels, and that's what it is. It has a diesel engine mounted below and inside of the frame, and it is pretty simple, and it is made of solid steel. We build them in Texas with the computers, and everything is built right at home. So, yeah, we really appreciate American manufacturing, and we wanted to stay focused on that. Tell me a little about the team, as well as how you guys came up with this concept. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a pretty small team of four people. We have uh, two software guys, our CEO, River, and yet me running the finance side of it, and then we have a mechatronics engineer. So really small team trying to be agile, but we're still delivering machines, you know, with a set price and we're still making a profit. And, you know, that's what it's all about. We deliver those machines for about $55,000 right now. Okay. Have to imagine uh, you guys were working one day and thought, hey, we can do this better. We came up with a concept, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody's ever been in a feed truck, they think, well, I could be doing something a little different. And <laughs> when River, he first built the machine, that's exactly what he was thinking. And he went out on the market and he saw, hey, you know, there's no robots, you know, moving two to 4,000 pounds. So I better get on this. And here we are today, three years later, we have a machine that we're shipping off after the show. You've been visiting with a lot of people here at the Nebraska Ag Expo. I mentioned you come from Texas. What's the ideal ranch that could implement uh, the Ranch Rover? You know, I think the, the Ranch Rover is perfect for any ranch with more than 50 cows and 600 acres. So when we're looking at Nebraska, ideally probably in the Sand Hills is where we're going to find a lot of our customers at. But at the end of the day, anybody that values their time or wants to take a little bit of work off their shoulders, they're perfect for this machine as long as they can stomach it. What kind of feedback did you hear here at the Nebraska Ag Expo? Not only did we hear great feedback from the cattle producers that showed up to this show, but everybody was sure tickled to see something for cows. You know, it <laughs> seems like farmers sure get a lot of love and technology, and it's about time we got some for cows. Is that what you're learning a little bit as you travel the country? There's not a lot happening. Uh, as it, I shouldn't say not a lot, but not as much happening uh, on the livestock front. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the big issues is when we look at row crop farms, there sure is a lot of money going into that, and uh, there's some big players in the market. And when we look at cattle, it's pretty fragmented and very regional specific, but we figured we'd come to the market with a solution that really applied to everybody. Where do you guys want to go with Smooth Ag? Is this uh, the end goal, or do you have some other ideas in mind as well? Oh, no, Bryce, this is not the end of the road for us. We know that there is a whole value chain of cattle, and it goes from feedlots all the way to grow yards. So we're looking at adding some capacity on our payload from 12,000 pounds to 60,000 pounds from where we're at today. So there's going to be a lot that happens. So I think when everyone keeps their eye on Smooth Ag, they'll see some great stuff happening. Our at-home audience has been able to see some video of this product out and about any particular challenges you faced during the developmental process that you'd care to share? Everything is a challenge, <laughs> Bryce. My partner, River, the CEO, he sure thinks I use the word easy a lot. And, hey, it's easy, but the better term for it is it's pretty straightforward. It just takes hard work. Yeah. 
a lot of hard work has gone in, I'm sure, to develop uh, what you have so far, and it's cool. And I want to say thank you for bringing that here to the Nebraska Ag Expo. Really neat to see that technology. Hey, we're glad the Huskers would take us in, and it's been great. <laughs> Appreciate it, Bryce. You bet. Hunter, thank you very much for joining us on the stage. If you'd like to learn more about the technology they're working on, visit them online at smoothag.com. Up next, we review the latest of what's happening in the grain markets. Heather Ramsey is joining us on the stage from the ARC Group, all decked out in your best uh, holiday apparel, Heather. I'm ready for Christmas. That's that's right. <laughs> you like to do that when we visit with you yes. here in December. Did you bring some some holiday spirit to the markets? Give us a little green on the screen. You know, I tried. You tried. Not, no but luck this week. But unfortunately, it kind of matches my blazer today. <laughs> so um, it's been a little bit of a challenge over the last couple weeks here to get this market to do what the farmer wants it to do. We're starting to see some signs of life. Um, which I like to kind of attribute to the we've taken all the bad out at this point. Like, what? how much lower can we go, I think, is the question. Don't ask that question, Heather. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. I know, I know. But um, it, it never fails that about the time everyone feels that it's all doom and gloom or it's all to the moon, something changes is kind of what I live by, I guess. And we've started to see that over the last couple weeks. Uh, this weather market that we've been talking about, the weather issues in South America have finally started to come to the market. And so that's helped us kind of start the climb out. And we've seen a little bit of a, a encouragement there, so to speak. Um, this week, specifically, we've kind of had some not-so-friendly um, uh, vibes coming from the energy side of the market, and that's really starting to weigh on things. So we're trying to fight energy issues with you know export increases and weather. So kind of a mixed bag of things. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit, I guess, too, and uh, recap where we sit corn and soybean prices yeah. right now as we near the end of the year, somehow we say that. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at this 23 crop, our March board um, sitting between kind of a 460 to 490. We did peak high this morning here um, between 460 and 490 March futures on corn. Uh, when you look at soybeans as well, you know, we're sitting somewhere between like a 1270. We do see upwards of right at kind of a $13 futures, a little bit above $13 futures off and on here. So those are not the worst numbers we've ever seen before, but they're not great when you look at what this 23 crop cost us. So anytime we can hit the higher end of those two ranges is a time to be trying to take advantage of either that current month or some deferred pricing into that 23 um, crop as we try to finish it out and sort of, you know, put it to bed and move on to 24 because that's happening sooner than we would all like it to happen. As we do look back on 2023, though, Heather, I think the challenge this year has been what could have been. You see the prices of what we could have had, and then you're sitting here looking at what we could get today. There's a discrepancy there. Right. It's been a challenge. Um, normal years where Mother Nature cooperates, we feel very confident early on taking swings at production. Um, I think even our irrigated guys had a little bit of a challenge because dry land pulls everything, right? So whether you were a full dry lander or had some dry land acres mixed in, it kind of created some unknowns on how much we felt comfortable marketing. Uh, insurance prices, thankfully, those floors set in the spring were very favorable for us. However, when you don't come in with massive losses, you don't see those large indemnity payments. And so you should have done the work in between. And that's kind of where we're living, where we maybe didn't, some of us didn't do enough work in between. Um, I think that that's been the biggest challenge and kind of takeaway. And the lesson was, hey, go back to doing what you know how to do. Stay disciplined in your marketing because trying to outguess it year over year does not get you ahead at the end of the day. And that's kind of where we uh, end 23 at. You say we don't try to outguess it, but let me throw some questions your way to get okay. your thoughts, maybe your guess on uh, what's happening. Yeah. You can mix in some facts there, too, of what you understand of the mm -hmm. markets. A question came in this week had to do with 
somebody holding corn right now, deciding if to sell by the end of the year. Your thoughts if you're holding corn at the uh, the elevator paying storage is it, could we see a, I guess end of the year rally? I guess is the gist of the question. You know, <clears throat> I think there are more effective ways to take advantage of that end of the year rally than necessarily leaving it in storage and paying commercial storage. I also think that applies for on-farm storage. A lot of guys, you know, tend to think on-farm storage is free. No, it's definitely not. So if you've got grain that's unpriced, you really need to look at what's your best execution. And my opinion has been to go ahead and price that grain, generate cash on hand. If you're extremely bullish. If you think a, a rally is coming, limit the amount of investment you want to put into that rally. Spend eight or 10 cents putting some limited upside back on so you can take 20 or 30 cent rallies and pocket them. But generate the cash because we all know that this crop was expensive. There's operating notes to pay down. Bank is looking for their interest payments, all of the above, right? So have that cash on hand so that you can make those controllables, you know, like happen. And then utilize a smaller budget instead of you know, a, an almost $5, you know, risk out there, put an eight to 10 cent risk out there instead. And if the rally comes, great, you get to participate. And if it doesn't, then you're protected because you've already sold. Let's well, call this Heather's big two. What are the big two things <laughs> we should be paying attention to as we're going to flip that calendar here? And uh, it's going to be a few short days and uh, enter 2024. Yeah, I honestly think the big two probably goes together. That would be corn exports for the U.S. tied with uh, South American corn production issues in southern Brazil. I really think you need to focus on the southern Brazil. We haven't really traded much of those corn issues. So those two kind of go together. Southern Brazil uh, corn issues paired with U.S. corn export increases. My opinion for the last several months has been if this is lows on corn exports for the U.S., then the only way is up. So that's what I want to see. Well, I think a lot of other people would like to see it that <laughs> yeah. same way. Heather, thank you very much for joining Thanks. us out here at the Nebraska Ag Expo. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you in the new year. Sounds great. Thanks, Bryce. Well, joining us next week on Market, on Market Journal is going to be Darren Newsom with Bart Chart. He's going to join us to share his thoughts. And as always, you heard me ask a question to Heather from a viewer. If you have a question you want me to ask Darren, go ahead and email us, and we'll pass that along. We talk about uh, grain still being in the bin here at the end of 2023. Let's talk about what are the challenges when it comes to grain storage and perhaps a solution. Joining us from Binmaster is Nathan to talk about some sensors you can put in the grain bin. can tell you how much grain is truly in there. You tell me you don't have to keep climbing up the ladder to check on uh, how that's going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the taller the bins, the, the longer and harder the fall, I think. So if you want to know your bin inventories, bin levels uh, from ground uh, level, uh, we've got a good solution for you. Bit of a comprehensive solution. A couple different sensor options as well as a user interface where you can track all of this. Give me the big picture overview of the, of the, of the products you guys offer. We do. We have some mechanical systems. Everything will mount on the roof of the grain bin. Um, uh, mechanical plumb bob systems, which is basically a fancy tape measure. That might be the, the lower end cost uh, up to a, a really sophisticated non-contact radar. It's uh, uh, non-mechanical, non-contact, uh, continuously uh, measures the levels in your grain throughout the day. That information is then passed back to a computer interface or even an app. It is. So we have options for you. Um, you know, if you just want a local readout right at the base of the grain bin, we certainly can do that. But uh, a lot of these producers, especially for their wet bins as they're drying corn through the year, you know, they want to know throughout the day, maybe even through the night, do I have enough corn to keep that dryer a, a rolling? So uh, we've got a super app uh, that uh, you can load uh, on your phone or tablet or even go to your uh, computer and use our website that uh, you can monitor 
the grain levels, see the grain height, see the head space, bushels. Uh, you know, really, it can be set up to read how, how you please. What do people most appreciate appreciate about this when they get it implemented on their farm? Yeah, you know, um, sometimes it might be hard to, to look at a guy and say if he wants to justify the cost of it, but uh, once he has it, uh, you know, it's a great tool. Um, and it's just the safety aspect, especially, um, uh, you know, in the winter or in the fall, you know, we're starting to get wind and, and rain and snow and ice and nobody wants to climb. And, and then, you know, the, the whole uh, aspect in our industry for on-farm storage, everything's getting bigger, everything's getting faster. Uh, and, and so a guy can sit in his combine right now and and uh, he can radio to his drivers and say, hey, it looks like, uh, you know, bin number three is getting full. This move to bin number four and, uh, and, and really keep things efficient. Well, it's really neat to see that product. Uh, a couple of the different sensors you have out here at the Nebraska Ag Expo. Uh, and we want to encourage people, if they want to learn more about this solution, you can visit your website. It's benmaster.com. Thank you very much yes, for joining us here on the Expo EDU stage. Thank you, Bryce. Well, as we begin to wrap up our time together here on Market Journal, we're going to wrap up with a crop talk as we learn more about some of the efforts to expand biodiesel. This week, joining us is Eric Lawson with MEG Corp. I want to talk about the work you're doing here in Nebraska, specifically with the Nebraska Soybean Board. Tell me a little about uh, the, the corporation, though, you guys have and the work you do with uh, Nebraska Soybeans. Yeah, Bryce. So, uh, MedCorp, we work with multiple states, uh, Nebraska being one of them, on education promotion of biodiesel. So we're trying to do anything from infrastructure projects with uh, petroleum marketers, trying to uh, <clears throat> do education promotion with farmers, um, trying, to to trying to tie the two together um, with supply, um, which, you know, a lot of times you have a guy who wants to use it, then you have, uh, he says, well, I can't. I can't find it anywhere. So then you're out working with the petroleum distributors, trying to put infrastructure in and making more product available in the market. Understand you've also been working uh, not just in Nebraska, but across the Midwest from some different cities implementing biodiesel into their perhaps bus fleet. Yeah, as, as cities gain um, more sustainability goals, um, you hear that, that um, people talking about sustainability all the time. Um, and trying to find ways to do it, you know, you hear people talking compressed natural gas, you hear people talking about electric, but biodiesel is something that they can do to lower their carbon footprint um, right now today without any excess um, upgrade for infrastructure. I mean, there's no big cost to get into lowering your carbon footprint today. What's your message for our audience, Nebraska farmers and ranchers, about why they should be using biodiesel on their operation? Right. So, I mean, farmers built this or started this uh, market years ago to get rid of the excess soybean oil in the market. Um, that used to drag down the price, which now, you know, um, we're actually seeing the opposite. We're seeing some shortages of, of oil supply in the market. And the people that benefit the most from that is the soybean farmer themselves. Good message as we wrap up our time together here on the Expo EDU stage. Eric, thank you for joining us and sharing an update on biodiesel and the usage across the countryside. And we want to thank all of our special guests who joined us on the stage, as well as our live studio audience, and of course, all of those joining us at home. As a reminder, you can catch up with Market Journal anytime by visiting us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to uh, Market Journal on the Acres TV app. Simply visit watchacrestv.com to learn how you can watch us there. We hope to see you back here next time. But until then, I'm Bryce Duskett. Wishing you a safe and productive week.
Join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.